Amen. Thank you, Alastair. And thank you, Jonathan. That was beautiful. Um, I want you this morning to put yourself in the place of the Apostle Paul. Um, you might think that feels a bit arrogant, um, but just imagine for a moment what it was like to be the Apostle Paul. Imagine that you're writing a letter to, the, to encourage the churches in the what's the Lycus Valley near Izmir in modern day Turkey, or possibly you're writing just to the city of Ephesus. Your own circumstances aren't exactly great, quite honestly. Um, in fact, you're imprisoned. You're probably chained to a Roman soldier. In fact, you're in a form of lockdown that's considerably more restrictive and grim than 21st century lockdown in England. No Amazon, no Zoom, just letters. So you write a letter that sets out how amazing it is to be what you describe as in Christ. A fact that you mention nine times in, in your letter. You've covered various themes in this letter that you've written, covering everything from the cosmic significance of the church to the practical details of how masters should treat their slaves. And now you're facing the dilemma that preachers face down through history. You're trying to bring the whole thing into land. Um, and preachers are not always good, and I'm not always good at bringing things into land. That word finally is a grim word sometimes, isn't it, when you heard it three times already. But you're trying to bring it into land. Tychicus is ready to take this letter and the letter to the Colossians and another short one you're about to write to your old friend Philemon. And he's keen to get away tomorrow morning. He's in a bit of a hurry now. He wants to get home. But there's something else that you want to say. And so you write this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the, all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And as you wrote it, you probably had no idea that it would become one of the most overpreached passages in the whole Bible. Um, I think I've probably heard more sermons on this passage than on virtually any other passage in Scripture. 
we've been walking through the letter to the Ephesians for some time now and we've noticed a number of big picture things as we've gone and I just want to take us back to them before we come into this passage. We've seen the sit walk stand approach to the letter that Watchman Nee took back in the mid 20th century. The first part of the letter talks about how we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. It then goes on to talk from chapter three onwards about how we walk and gives a number of practical outworkings of what it means to be new creatures in Christ. The section we're about to look at talks about how we stand firm as Christians. As someone in his early 20s, I read Watchman Nee's Sit, Walk, Stand, among others of his books. And for me, it was a life changing book pointing a way to Christian maturity that nobody had ever previously set out for me. And in a nutshell, the message of his book was that we need first to understand that we're seated in seated with Christ, who's sat in, sorry, who has himself sat down at the right hand of God. And until we've done that, we won't be able to walk effectively as believers in our daily lives. And in turn, until we've learned to walk daily in godly character filled with the Holy Spirit, we will struggle to stand. And part of the problem with the way that chapter six on the armour of God has been preached, at least to me, is that it's been preached as a self-contained section on its own when actually it only makes sense in the context of the whole letter. We've also seen the progression in the letter from setting out the amazing things that God has accomplished in Jesus for his people and how Paul proceeds from that to how the church should operate in practice to what our lives should look like as sons and daughters of God. And we've seen that a number of words and phrases are important in this letter. The phrases I've already said in Christ crops up nine times. The word all in Greek, which also gets translated as everything, crops up a lot, usually in stressing that Jesus is above all, over all and in all. Jesus is Lord of all. Um, and as Abraham Kuyper, a Dutch theologian, famously said, you've probably heard this quote before. He said, there's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who's sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Um, and Jesus is over all, in all, ruling in all, Lord of all. Um, and Paul draws that out in this letter, the magnificent supremacy of Jesus. Um, sorry, I'll get carried away here if I'm not careful. I've also already mentioned the words sit, walk and stand. Today's section contains the word stand multiple times. And I'm not going to look at the individual components of the armour today, as that's what people normally do with this passage. And most of us have probably heard it done countless times. We will look at them in the coming weeks. And I've asked a number of others to do that for us. I'm going to look at this passage as a whole and to point out one little observed aspect that seems to have bypassed some of those who most loudly speak about this passage, one of which significantly impacts how we understand it. So what's the point that we need to look at first? Well, I've heard a lot of people talking about how we're supposed to put on the armour of God every day. 
to the point that for some people, it's almost like a superstition. I know some training programs include it as a recommended daily practice. But if I have a bad day, it is not because I forgot to put the armor on in the morning. It's because I'm having a bad day. Um, and actually, people come into condemnation over this. The idea, oh, I forgot to put on the helmet of salvation this morning. That's why I've had a bad day. That, folks, is nonsense. And it comes out of a misunderstanding of this passage. Sorry, I'm stepping into controversy, but hey-ho. Um, but every verb in this entire section, a verb, as you know, is a doing word. Every verb in this entire section is in a Greek tense that doesn't mean, sorry, not every verb. There are three exceptions. Nearly every verb in this entire section is in a Greek tense that doesn't mean you should keep putting on the armor or any of the other things that we're commanded to do here. It is not saying continually put on the armor of God. The only things in this passage that we're told to do continuously are in verses 18 to 20. And they are pray. Verse 18, we are supposed to be continually praying. Be alert. In verse 18, we are supposed to be continually alert. And in verse 20, Paul talks about continually being an ambassador. Those are the only things in here we are supposed to do regularly. Now, I'm not going to speculate about why this has happened, but next time someone tells you you need to put the armour on every day, feel free to tell them they're going beyond what Scripture says. And note that none of the reliable translations translate this as a continuous process. Actually, what it does say fits in far better with this idea of a progression throughout Ephesians that we've noted, the idea of a progression towards maturity. The fact that this isn't a continuous tense suggests to me that it's more of a mark of maturity, something we grow in until we've fully grown into it. Uh, one translation, uh, one modern translation, the Lexham English Bible, which isn't a particularly well-known translation, actually translate this as become um, rather than the, the, the idea of continually putting on. So this passage sets out three things, a what, a how, and a why. Um, I will put a slide up just so that um, for those who find it easier to concentrate with a slide. There we go. Um, sorry, I forgot to share it. Um, there we go. So it contains a what, a how, and a why. The first one, the what, is... Be strong, it, whoops, be strong in the Lord, it says in verse 10. That's what we're aiming at and uh, aiming at. And we're aiming at growing in it increasingly, learning to live in the strength of God and in his power. That's what we're told to do in verse 10. And it's something we grow into. It's not an instantaneous thing. Uh, and it's not something we have to keep coming back to. It's something we grow in progressively through our Christian lives. The second one is the how. And the way that we um, become strong in the Lord, and the Lexham English Bible, as I mentioned, translates it, become strong in the Lord. We do it by taking up, actually the word uh, at the beginning of verse 11 is not put on the whole armour of God, it's take up. 
um, it's this idea of actively taking up um, at the beginning of verse 11. We've already seen that the Roman soldier was a regular sight around Paul. He was probably actually chained to one. So the picture of a Roman soldier's armour is the one that would have come to mind for him as he thought about this. Now, I don't want to play downplay the significance of the armour that this passage talks about. I simply don't believe that reciting to ourselves every morning that we're putting on this, that and the other is actually particularly helpful. It does make for easy preaching points or children's activities. But the important thing is that we look beneath the illustration to see the substance of it. And one of the things, because this is such an easy passage to preach, is we've got wrapped up in the illustration and lost something of the substance of it, I think. So rather than reminding ourselves about putting on a belt of truth, I would rather see us reflecting on whether we're living in truth, whether we're living lives that are consistent with our confession of Jesus, speaking the truth to one another in love and so on. The belt of truth, as we all probably know, is what holds the rest of it together. I'm going to get rid of this sharing, otherwise you're just looking at a slide, aren't you? The, the belt of truth keeps the breastplate in place, provides a storage place for the sword and holds up the underwear. I personally don't put a breastplate of righteousness on every morning, but I do regularly reflect on how the righteousness I have is the righteousness of Jesus, not something I've earned for myself. I also need to reflect regularly whether I'm living in that righteousness and walking in the ways that Paul has already spoken about earlier in this letter. This whole letter is a carefully structured letter that fits together as a whole. And if we strip out one section of it, we strip it of its real meaning. Whether or not I remind myself each day that I'm wearing the sandals of the gospel of peace, I need to be aware of a readiness to account for the hope that's within me at any moment and to have a clarity about what I mean by the gospel. Rather than messing about in my bedroom to pick up a shield of faith, actually it's far more helpful for me to pray as I embark on my day calling on God to go before me and trusting in him to protect me in the day ahead. Symbolically, putting on an imaginary helmet might be helpful, but the image here is of salvation and we need to be dwelling in God's salvation and reminding ourselves of how great and wonderful that salvation is, as Paul's pointed out earlier in the letter. And finally, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, spending time in God's word and reading it through all of it is far more important than a ritual of imagining putting an imaginary sword on an imaginary belt each morning. Our sword will never become sharp unless we dwell in God's word and allow it to shape and transform our lives. The previous chapter talks about God cleansing his church with the washing of the word. I've for many years made daily Bible reading of the whole Bible a priority. And for me, that experience of being washed by the water of God's word is an important one in my life. It's how God continues to shape and to form me. 
So we've seen the what, we've seen the how. The third thing this passage mentions is the why. Uh, and so from the second part of verse 11 into verse 12, he says that Paul says that the why is so that we, and he repeats it subsequently, is so that we can stand against the strategy of the devil. When we've done all of these things, Paul says, the purpose is so that we can stand, stand against the wiles of the evil one, stand against the spiritual powers that are at work in this world. Our battle, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood enemies. It's not against political parties. It's not against nations or even individuals, no matter how evil or depraved they might be. The purpose of our standing is to see God's kingdom come and his will be done on this earth. And I really believe that we actually accomplish this by going deeper in each of those areas that this armour sets out, this armour illustration rather sets out truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation and God's word. And we'll look at each of these a bit more in the coming weeks and I hope others will, will do some of that rather than just me. Um, but I, I want us to kind of accept a challenge this morning. I think it's very easy for us to dwell in this picture of the armour of God because it's a very easy thing to picture. And it's probably helpful to picture it that way. That's why Paul uses that illustration. What is unhelpful is when the picture becomes the substance and we forget what it is that the armour is representing. And so for me, the challenge and the question I have out of this, because this is clearly talking about us growing into being people who've taken up the full armour of God. It's not talking about us each day putting on the whole armour of God. Actually, Roman soldiers didn't put their armour on every day. They spent a great deal of their time burnishing their breastplate, waxing their belt, sharpening their sword, polishing their helmet and all the other things. We actually need to be giving attention to what it is each of these pieces of armour stand for and burnishing, sharpening and polishing those things so that they become effective in God's hands. So I, I, I was tempted, as I did last week, to say if we were looking for a 21st century illustration, because we don't see many Roman soldiers wandering around Tadley nowadays. You used to see them on Palm Sunday at Silchester, um, but even that doesn't happen anymore. Um, so in some ways, I think we need a fresh illustration here. But I, I want to go for the substance of the underlying challenge. And I think the underlying challenge here for each of us is how am I growing in the areas of truth? How am I growing in the area of righteousness? How am I growing in my understanding of the gospel? How am I growing in faith? How am I growing and developing in salvation? And how am I growing and developing in God's word? And I think if we, if we look at those and examine those, we touch on the substance of what Paul is talking about here. Whereas if we constantly live in the illustration, we never quite reach the substance. Now, if you find it helpful each morning to go through that ritual, please feel free. I personally find it an unhelpful and unnecessary pressure. Um, not that I've ever done it for more than a day at a time anyway, but um, 
I just want to say at the end, I know I've talked to people recently who said that someone has said to them that something terrible happened in their life because they hadn't put on the full armour of God that morning. That is not the case. God is far more gracious than that. Um, but there is still a challenge for each of us to grow and to develop to a place of maturity in each of those areas that this illustration of the armour is talking about. And that's the thought I want to leave us with this morning. So can I just pray, Alistair, then I'll hand back to you. Father, I do want to pray for us as your people. We do want to thank you that you have provided ways for us to flourish in this world. And I do want to pray for each of us that we will be people who are continually growing in those areas of um, hopefully I can remember them all, of truth, righteousness, the gospel, salvation, faith, um, and the word of God. I think I've missed one there. But Lord, we, we want to be people who grow in each of those areas. We want to be people who are coming to that place of maturity in you that this whole letter that we've been reading points towards. Uh, and Lord, I do want to pray for each of us that we will be people who are mature in you, who are able to stand, because the whole purpose of this illustration of a soldier in his armour is that your people should be able to stand. And Lord, I want to pray for each of us that we will be people who understand what it means to be seated with you, who understand what it means to be walking with you, and who are therefore able and who understand what it means to stand in you. Uh, Lord, will you help us as we seek in this place to resist the, the plans and the strategies of the evil one um, and who are able to see your kingdom come, your will done uh, and your name glorified and hallowed in Tadley and the surrounding villages. Lord, will you equip each of us, we pray, to be those people. Amen.